Hey everybody, welcome back to the Paradise Podcast Network. My name is Corey Paradise, the voice of the Paradise Podcast Network. And today we're coming back for Season 2, Episode 1 of PPN at the Movies. That's right, I'm joined back with my friends Scott Borgstrom and Alfredo Garibay. And we are setting out on a journey of the theater and cinema. And we're starting today with a, uh, an October classic, quite possibly the best horror movie ever made. That's the wrong scene. Uh, the Shining. That's also the wrong scene. We'll get it right. Season two, off to a magnificent start here at the Paradise Podcast Network. How's it going, everybody? Yo. It's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. Except for the glasses I smashed, but it's going pretty good. <laughs> so that's why you look like that. Yeah. Yeah, I had to get dolled up today because I smashed my glasses and people Sneak. wanted to meet me today. Yeah. Well, How's everybody doing? I'm doing all right. I'm questioning everything I know about cinema and history and everything you can do with art. In, in its medium after watching this week's movie. I had seen it before, but this time I dove down the rabbit hole head first and boy, did, did I learn some things that I never knew? Well, it'll be exciting to get into that for sure. How about, what did you make of the movie, Scott? Let's get, let's, why don't we start with our, uh, okay. Have you both seen it before though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. this is, you know, like I told everyone, this is my first Kubrick film, um, and I think I think I picked a good one, you know, just just because this movie is like so prominent in like just I wouldn't say social media, but it's prominent in like the horror movie scene. It's prevalent in just like everything you consume nowadays. I'd say um, there's there's like little sprinkles of it just about everywhere, right? Yeah, it's referenced and, a lot. In yeah, mediums for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I can see why, you know, after watching this movie, I could totally see why, right? There's just so many like intricate details you miss on the first watch and you just want to watch it again and again and again. You're just like, oh, that's that, right? Um, well, not to the say, extent of I, like... I wouldn't say I want to watch it like right after having watched it. I mean, right. would, would you watch that movie back to back? Because two hours long, it's no. 23 minutes. The time isn't what would get me. It's, it's the like... There's a cool down period, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. you, you need to watch it and then you need to process what you just watched. Mm-hmm. And like, you really do need to go watch a couple things like Scott and I watched it together and 
like immediately afterwards we hopped online and went what is what does this mean like what does this all mean <laughs> like <laughs> what do you like what is why is jack torrance in the picture you know that was our our biggest question of like what the fuck you know why how does this all work then if he's is he we were just so confused and so like yeah. you i feel like it needed that week or four days to really dig into it and now i want to watch it again and like pick up all the little things after that mm -hmm. like that people have just gone so far with it's oh, crazy how far it's, people it's have insane, gone dude because like you know you go on youtube and there's a lot of good youtube videos now about people dissecting the movie but it gets to a point where people go that book is that specifically this one is this one specifically he's looking yeah, this at that is painting this over issue and it talks These about two this there's on one painting that's a bear symbolism he's got disney on the wall and it's like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you know it's it's overwhelming but it's almost like a rabbit hole you know it's like one of those like deep dives on reddit no, definitely right? one of those rabbit, rabbit holes well uh, what, what's great about it though uh -huh. is that he pushing the wrong button What's great about it, though, is that you, this is part of the mystique of Kubrick. You know, this is your first Kubrick film, but mm -hmm. this will follow, like, throughout all of his films. This was his second to last film, by the way. Really? It was the last one that he was fully there for production. Um, his next film, Eyes Wide Shut, starring um, Tom Cruise, um, he didn't finish the production up. He died in the middle of it. So this was the last film that he was from beginning to end a part of. Um, but, if, you know, I'm sure we'll see other films, you know, Full Metal Jacket, 2001. Um, you want to see, uh, what is it? Um, Doctor Strange um, Love and How We Learned to Love yeah. the Bomb or something like that. Yeah, Strange Love. And then I do want to watch uh, Space Odyssey as well. So, like, you'll see common threads and, like, an evolution over time. And I, I firmly believe that the shining is kind of his pinnacle work. I think it's, it takes everything that you can do with the medium of movies and it does it in a way that's like a step above. I've seen anybody else do things, you know, like what I was going to say is Kubrick is the type of man that you see things in the movie that aren't right. Mm -hmm. And you, in any other movie, you would go, that was probably an oversight. Mm -hmm. That was probably a production, like, constraint. Like, we need to be here or we don't have enough time in the budget or the schedule to film more. So we're just going to do it here and get it done kind of thing. You see a lot of stuff and you can chalk it up to that in other movies. But there's something about a Kubrick film that everything is like yeah everything's on purpose and mm -hmm. and even if it isn't like say there is those couple of things that were never on purpose there are so many little intricate details in other things that you're forced to kind of believe that the mistake yeah. that could be, you know you you it's, genuinely don't like, know he, like, anymore inadvertently creates red herrings it's kind yeah. of what it is especially yeah. for people who want to understand um what's going on which i think is a good segue into, you know, starting to break down, I guess, what we liked about the movie. But before we did, I just wanted to go over one thing. And that's okay. a, the the layout of the hotel 
being yeah. impossible, being purposely misleading, like it doesn't make sense. And that's, that's his design, mm -hmm. I think is a huge, like, I think it's almost a huge grain of salt to take the film with. And maybe it's like the cynic or the skeptic in me that like is okay with not having the answers because for one, he's dead. And two, like, there's a lot of loose threads that are just better left to your interpretation. Like, people have come up with really great interpretations that could ultimately be better than whatever, you know, like, Stanley Kubrick could have come up with, like, given the confines of the, like, the timeline to put everything together. So, all those words to say, there is something to, about the fact that, like, there's there's he purposely disorients you and he purposely makes things like not able to make sense yeah um that you so you're like just so i don't i don't so that everyone that can into, kind of see it here yeah. let me um let me swap over to it oh and then i gotta oh here this is where he kills um no Yes, there there is yeah, this. He kills so, here. Yeah. so we're talking you you mentioned the idea of impossible architecture within the hotel. Yeah. And I I might hijack you here to talk about this cuz this okay. leads cuz this also leads into some really nice things that I've prepared. So Yeah. Well, what I I guess the point I was trying to get across was um I fully embraced and accepted that there is probably not any sort of definitive answer, but like you were saying, Corey, the themes that you can explore and the art that you can enjoy through this film are like, because there's so many lenses there's so many little minutia details that it, it makes it a, like, it's almost a roller coaster, you know, you can yeah. get on and you strap yourself in. And it's it's almost a slightly different experience every time. And I think yeah. that's like where the shining get ready for this uh -oh. shine. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, so, it, it is. It is. One of my I want to cover this for Scott, movie, though. I want to okay. cover this, though. So so what we're looking at is this is a diagram. Now, hold on. Let me. Oh, I just fucked everything up. This is a diagram. Just and this is a diaphragm. Up. Okay, I think we're good. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here a week. All right, let me let me rewind this bad boy. Okay. Okay. This Woo! is the PowerPoint I put together for you guys. Oh, <laughs> today's Ooh, episode. Boy. But the the thing I want I wanted to talk pitch, about man. is in the so in this scene, this is we're talking about the scene when Jack goes to the hotel for the first time. This is without Wendy and Danny. And he's being told by the the manager or the owner or whatever it is, Mr. Ullman, I think that was his name, to, on what his responsibilities are at the hotel. Stuart. Good old Stuart Ullman. And what this shows is, yeah, it has Halloran's body. That's later in the film. But the important thing is to look at the entrance in the bottom. And it's up and to the right is where he goes. And the office is located up and to the right in this back area. And it's weird because it has this impossible window. And what this is referring to, let's see if I have a good picture of it. Oh, I don't. So in this, in this office, on the flip side, when they enter in for the first time, mm 
There is a window at the top of of the of the room with Pretty shrubs. Pretty much on the side that the camera is on, so it's behind the camera. Yes, yeah, the behind the camera in this in this shot, and there's some shrubs poking up over the top. And if we go back, it's an inner room, like it has. It's not facing any courtyard or anything at all, and. And what, what what did you think about that, Alfie? You you said it's like grain of salt. It's something that. So you think that's a mistake? No, I don't think it's a mistake. I think that that sets the 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 stage for you're not gonna have all the answers. There's not a way. Like you can try to explain things. You can try to rationalize it. And you'll end up just as crazy as Jack. Um. But I don't see anything wrong with people trying to make sense of it. I just think that. Um, I I get enjoyment from seeing all these different interpretations, but mm. I don't need there to be like a definitive. Oh, so you, this you is what happened? You this like is the, the explanation? And you like these the, are the laws hole. that follow? Like I think I just think that there's so much nuance to it. You know, you have like unreliable perspectives. You have the yeah. supernatural that's also mixed in with it. I think, but I get a lot of enjoyment. Like like I don't want to come off as a skeptic or like a cynic. I love listening to to all the different interpretations and like the different things that people try to make it fit in. And to me, it's also fun when stuff conflicts because it just goes to show like there's more to the puzzle. Is it solvable or are you actually missing 50 pieces? You know, like Mm -hmm. that's the that's the big allure to it. It doesn't in my head. I'm perfectly content with it not having definitive answers like because the psyche, like the human mind, which is one of the big themes for this movie, there, like we don't have all the answers for that. It's not definitive. Like your reality and my reality are different, and that's like in many well, ways it the makes scene, The Shining such a human film. What yeah. I think about this scene is I think that it's all on purpose, of course, and and mm-hmm. we can break this scene down a lot more if we would li- if we want to. But I yeah, think yeah, I definitely I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's part yeah. of that like. Well, what I think he was <laughs> like doing it's him disorienting us. Yes. I think that it's not even like a conscious thing for us. I think that it's a subconscious, like we know that that's not right, whether we know it's not right or not. Like, I think that yeah. there's a part of us that already senses the strangeness of that room in some manner, somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then I, I believe that this is the final scene of Jack. Like of of Jack Torrance, I think that this is this this scene in the office is the final scene of Jack Torrance, and after this, he is whatever the hotel has made him. I think, I think that when he is in this room, he signs the contract to become the caretaker, and I think that signing that contract is what signed away like his soul, like he became that a part of the hotel. All right. One thing about that, and I'm going to sound like such a dickhead because I just talked about how little is definitive. Um, I don't have a source for this apart from the video that I watched, but it is supposedly confirmed. And we can look it up if you want. Um, but I, un- it's my understanding that Stanley Kubrick actually confirmed that um, this Jack Torrance is a reincarnated form of the Jack Torrance you see in the picture. It's not necessarily not necessarily that he's added 
to that picture after the events take place. No, it's no, like literally he's a part that of he's it. always been I, I here agree. and it's his destiny to end I agree. Up back in yeah. here. And but and, the way I um, the way where I'm talking about that signing his life is like outside of it, there's kind of like you can tell he's angry. You can tell he's like not a good guy. He's kind of an asshole jerk. Yeah. But he's not he's maniacal. Resentful. You know, but he mm-hmm. but he's not crazy. He hasn't lost it yet. Like he's he's still able to conduct like he's still whatever it it was out there is what it was. But as soon as he came in here, and the only reason I bring he this contract thing up well, and the thing I bring the contract up is that later in the film, when he's yelling at Wendy, going up the stairs, and she has the bat, he's like, I signed a contract, you know, and he yeah. makes a big deal about, the, you know, perhaps maybe, maybe this reincarnation, maybe him signing this contract is like his history, you know, like, that's mm-hmm. a part of the character is that like, he, this is just history repeating itself. Exactly. It's, he it's has to help. sign the contract. Yeah, Exactly. So it's not the first time he signed the contract. It's just this yeah. time that he signed yeah. it. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So. Also, but- Scott, here, Corey, if you want to go back to slide seven that shows the map. This one? Uh, you see um, where it says which direction to the gold room there? Yeah. So that, the, or rather the dot that it's alluring to it, that's actually where the picture that has the, uh, the, guests of the overlook hotel are that's oh, the yeah, final yeah. that's the final scene that it zooms into where you yeah, can see yeah, i kind of i kind of figured that that's nice. so that's the uh it's uh it's in the background of the like an, of the very beginning where he walks in and you can see him like following them to um Ullman's office yeah um but it's something that gets overlooked yeah man there's a lot of shit in this movie yeah, <laughs> just a lot of shit, dude. <clears throat> well, you guys w- want to go through what I think this movie's about? Oh, absolutely. Because I think I think it'll provide like everything that you guys have seen and thought about will somehow show up a little bit here. Okay. In what I've prepared, all right. Mm-hmm. But these were the two guys that I referenced the most, and I'm sure like Robert Rob Ager is probably the one of the guys you listen to. Um, was it collective learning? I thought it was collaborative learning. Oh yeah, you have it there. Collaborative oh, learning. I do. It That's, is a. I thought it was collective as well, though. My bad. No, I made the same well, mistake. Well, I properly cited it, so. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, and then the other website was Ice Cream Two Thirty Seven. It that is a much better like l- blog layout. Um, mm-hmm. Collaborative learning. You have to purchase like from his website stuff. You you know it's right. a business. Ice Cream is kind of a uh, a passion project of sorts but the biggest thing so th- these were the three things i was going to talk about or four things you know native american themes but my one of the things that i thought about the film while i was watching is what is real here you know trying to decipher what is interacting with the world what's interacting with danny and and everyone like what what is real in this world you know what i mean mm-hmm. i had that question a lot as i was watching it um, disturbing undertones is exactly as it sounds. And then my biggest question is like, who's fuck is Tony? <laughs> like the guy that lives in his mouth, who the hell is Tony? Like mm-hmm. he barely shows up after you, if at all, once he gets to the, to the overlook. So that was kind of what I thought. What, what did you guys like? Did any of those questions or ideas arise as you watched it? 
I mean, as I was watching, I was more enraptured and enveloped in the movie itself and how how kind of like enveloping the movie is as a whole you know it's like it, it is almost an experience right you you get to see this man go from oh normal to then you start thinking oh maybe it is cabin fever you know um before you put all the pieces together and at the end you just kind of don't have everything and it leaves you wanting more you know um it one question that did strike me was who is tony you know um tony tony's a big one because it's like he 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 takes a lot of Danny and like the quote unquote second act. Um, I, I want to say he like takes over for Danny because Danny's like paralyzed from trauma, right? For whatever happened to him. Um, so you start to think, is he real? Is he like, what, what's going on? You know? And then the disturbing undertones start coming in as you come in later and later, as you start thinking about it later as well. Um, the, um, the one Tony theory that they honestly, the only, Tony theory that I um, like learned anything about is that it's uh, it's his future self. Um, Danny's full name, I believe, is uh, Daniel Anthony Torrance. Mm. Tony being short for Anthony. And um, part of it can be referenced uh, or part of it is in reference to uh, sorry, Dr. Sleep, which is like the continuation the of The Shining um, is uh, it stars Ewan McGregor. And it has a scene in it where um, his future self, so future Danny Torrance, um, as an adult Danny, is the one like writing red rum on a on a mirror to relay that message back to um, you know young Danny, yeah. and get his mom to like get her ass in gear. Interesting. That's that's one theory. Um, I uh, I kind of you know I, I kind of like that theory a bit more than what I have prepared. I I like it, but it's a it's it's cool because I love shit like that. Um, Insidious did that with its second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it dude it did it so well. I love it. If we ever get around to doing a spooky thing again, we should watch Insidious the first two back to back because that shit is dope. Um, I like it, but it it's a bit of a retcon, you know, because okay. Doctor mm-hmm. Sleep probably like if it's stephen king novel it's, it's based king. on stephen king stuff so and, it could and be very like notably source material What's but up? very notably the shining is is not approved by stephen king yeah it's he, like it's like all he did not like it. Of his work yeah yeah well and and admittingly there was a lot of things changed like yeah the, the maze, a lot of things changed the, the whole maze. the whole maze how about the fucking overlook survives it's supposed to bl- like burn yeah, down to, from the boiler yeah and, that, so, and it's supposed to be i think it's interesting though because then it could be noted that uh this is just another cycle of the overlook exactly the, the, the themes down, fit you know? better in in yeah and that's the thing Continuous. is i think is kubrick continually and you'll notice this as we if we watch more Kubrick films, Scott, is that he doesn't do any original work. <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't adapt he only adapts stuff, is what I'm trying to say. Is okay. two thousand one, novel. Lolita, novel. Mm-hmm. Barry Lyndon, novel. <laughs> um and based on history. Uh The Shining, novel. I don't know about Eyes Wide Shut. 
That's the only one I don't really know about. But a lot, that's all that a, stuff. That's a that's an Alex Jones novel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but all of those are are Frogs. based on a novel. And so what what what, you, uh-huh. what happens is is he reads these things, and it filters through him, and he can he's a brilliant enough guy, and and knows enough. He's intelligent enough to see these things within the story and pull them out to deliver like a a, great visual medium. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on in the film that you don't pick up on and you never would. You absolutely never would unless you did the research, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no, there's some of the things you don't just happen into. You either know it, you researched it, or you will never know it. Yeah. And he yeah. doesn't do this thing where like, I'll throw it in your face so that you have to see, look what I put in here, everybody. Look what I did. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's he not... also commits to it very well. If yeah. some of the theories that other people have come up with hold true. Like, are, did you delve into the whole Minotaur thing? Yeah. Uh, that well, one I thought was a bit of a stretch. But I, but but I think it's such a... I want to buy it. But the thing about that is, is that it's such a... It's such a characteristic and story, like, it's such a legendary tale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you would make that connection to the to the maze no matter what, you know, like, yeah, to to the like, child running through the so maze and I, like people, yeah, but, but it's a the Kubrick theme, film. People would always make that jump regardless. The, theme, the theme is thing there. that gets I me almost, uh-huh. Well, the thing that weirds me out about the maze is why is it when they go into the maze in the spring when or like in the when it's not snowy, why is there a hut that stands in the front of the maze, but when it's snowing, there's no hut? Why does it disappear? You know what I'm talking about? That's a great question. Well, maybe that's where they sell the tickets for it and they don't want the snow to the rot the hut after it's, it but it's, so they put But it that's away. weird, you know? There's there's things like that in the film where there's disappearing disappearing objects. Yeah, you know? notably the chair. Dude, the chair, the chair behind you. The chair has sparked so many that part of me, it's like the asshole in me, really hopes that it it's just it an oversight. Came down to two things. Yeah, that it was either a mistake or that Kubrick was like, hold on. Get that fucking chair out of there. <laughs> All right, go. Who the fuck moved that chair? Put the fucking chair back. Right, go. Because, I mean, there's that one behind the scenes where, oh, when nothing goes to script, makes Kubrick angry. There's there's that. The one that's actually weirder. Because that one is so blatant, though. The framing is right in the middle. Like, it's, it's easy to miss. But at the same time, like, if you're going to catch them, that's kind uh-huh. of probably the one you're going to catch. Of course. Well, there's a couple other weird ones. Like in the, in the beginning when she's talking with the doctor and they go out of oh, the, Danny's room the and they sticker. Well, there's that, but then they sit down in the living room. And there's a bunch of weird things. Like the shelf, like there's a windowsill that the doctor sits in front of. And it has books stacked up in it and they're nice, neatly packed up in a line. Mm-hmm. It cuts to to Shelley Duvall. And then cuts to another, a different wide angle. And the books are a little askew, like stacked up, like they had been tipped over after a take and they were just kind of leaned up. And you go, that's weird. Huh. And then you go, where's the lamp that was on the freaking nightstand that's not there anymore? Where is it? Where did it go? Oh, it's back. Like weird stuff like that. Or 
um, in the scene where Danny um, goes into room 237, the the ball rolls up to him as he's playing with his cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Rolls up along the patterned floor along one of the, oh, yeah. the straight, like like a runway going straight to him. He looks at the door. He look, turns around. And now the pattern has the runway going away from him. No longer right at him. And it's like... But all his cars are still right there. Yeah. And it's like, those are things, those are things that he does to subconsciously mess with you, to fuck with your brain, and you don't even know it. It's prepping you, and it's telling you that it's not real. It subconsciously lets you know that it's, uh, there's something wrong. Yeah. It, like, tells your brain, hey, there's a mistake. So let's look at, I have this prep, let's look at some of those, those details, those weird things that are there. You might just, you just never notice it. First, and this is the big one, is Native American references, symbolism. At the very beginning of the film, you get this, you get this killer piece this of... This is our famous hedge maze. There's the, uh, the shack. The walls are 13 feet high. Oh, that's a big shack to so put away. I thought it was like a little stand. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, I wouldn't want to go in there unless that, I had an hour to spare to find my way out. <laughs> when was the Overlook built? Uh, construction started in 1907. It's finished in 1909. The site is supposed to be located on an Indian burial ground, and I believe they actually had to repel a few Indian attacks oh, as they were building it. That's our... So that's that's one of, like, the most overt, you know, this one and this one. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that is... It's just in Paris. So that obviously right behind it is is this Native American. Mm-hmm. What's also to note about this scene and just the point of reference is remember that this guy can shine. The head chef, he can shine. And it's in tandem with this Native American. It's kind of like symbol, a little bit of symbolism there. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even same say angle. same angle and also like a similar profile. profile. Like there's a connection to him. And the hotel, perhaps. Like, who knows? You know, that's kind of the thing is you don't know. It's just, it's cohesive storytelling. Like, it's just there. It's always there. There's always something. I mean, other people symbol take, like, the the canned tomatoes and the Kool-Aid. And in the next shot, it's a tracking shot as they, as they walk through the pantry. The camera tracks behind, you know, on the other side of some of the, the, um, the shelving. You know, it tracks behind him and it passes in front of like red ketchup and red liquids. And it's like, is this a, what's it called? A uh, subliminal messaging of like the red of the blood river that's coming, you know, later in the film. Yeah. It's an illusion. So here, here was the um, impossible room and, and the impossible window. And this was to get to this room where on the front of this in front of the office is this painting and this painting was done by a native or a native american not not u.s but canadian i guess they would call him indigenous canadian mm-hmm. um but it's a native work and the he there's another painting this one it's through the doorway now it's on the wall oh, yeah. and this is one of those this is a weird case in this movie of how paintings work like there's a whole dissertation, like an essay about how paintings work, uh, because archetypes. Yes, which so, is the book that you're covering. Get into it. Thing. Yeah, 
So you want to get into this? You want to explain yeah, you a little can take bit? It. That, that was as far as I got was uh, the there's a book that's uh, it's on the screen, but it's hidden underneath the insert that Corey has there with the uh, the enlargement of that painting that's in the back behind yeah. uh, the, the summer keeper. Um, it's uh, it's called Archetypes. Uh, I forget the full title, but it's by Carl Jung, who's a psychoanalyst. Um, one of like he's like the main guy that Jordan Peterson references. I don't know if you've ever listened to Jordan Peterson. Um, but one of the things that Stanley Kubrick mentioned is that uh, a lot of the paintings that kind of watch over uh, Jack throughout the film are subscribed to numerous different archetypes. Like if you if you go back to the uh, the previous painting, that one is called um, the, the mother. Great mother. The great mother. And one of the archetypes that Carl Jung talks about is mother. So there's there's different like ways that people view themselves. That's kind of like what archetypes talks about. There's like, you know, maternal figures. People tend to see themselves as like a great hero in their lives, right? Those are the two that I'm familiar with. Um, those are just the ones that I know of. Um, but yeah, um, in a similar vein, the archetype that uh could be looking over um uh Halloran in like the previous scene is like that of the hero like he you know he dies he's a sacrificial hero um but in doing so he allows enough time for Danny and uh Wendy to escape from you know Jack and he ultimately ends up freezing to death mm. so that's an, that's another big theme um throughout the film i say big because it's like there but it's subtle it's not it's so subtle in your face but it's it's like but it's so true you're you're totally right and he did this thing of moving moving paintings throughout the hotel as characters go through important sequences and scenes and so this this is a case so both of those paintings um the one of the birds is called flock of loons and the the other one is like i said the great great earth mother sorry so not the great mother, great earth mother by uh, Norvell Mauricio. I don't know. I didn't pass. For, I barely passed French. Um, but here's the other place where this shows up. This is not in the in the office. This is not in the hallway to the office. And there is the painting sitting there again. So if we go back. That's where it was at the beginning of the film. But as he turns around now with the axe in hand chasing after whoever i forget specifically who died if it's a, a death after the scene or what happens but now it's somewhere it's else Danny. i think it's Danny. but now it's somewhere else in the hotel it's following him it's and this happens with several other paintings but you touched upon archetypes in this room people have gone through and kind of ascribed each painting or picture in this room to a different archetype and that this room is like where the 12 meet. This is like the, you know, Danny or um, Jack coming back is like a completion of it, you know. And the red book on the thing represents the devil's red book. The mm -hmm. And the idea of signing a contract in the red book signs away your soul. So perhaps he did at one point sign that red book. And now his soul travels, you know, cyclically through time, you know. Mm -hmm. He has reliving a the violence. hell on earth for him. Oh, that's a, that's a theory here, you know, just from right here. Now, this next part that I prepped is is kind of about the hotel itself. 
is kind of mm-hmm. is is explain this. So the book was written by Stephen King, and it it the name of the hotel in the book is the Overlook, but it was based the reason he wrote the book. It was based on an experience he had staying at the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. And that is a famously haunted hotel and whatnot. But the Overlook is a real place too. And it used to be called the Overlook. Now it's called Timberland Lodge. And the craziest thing, my parents went and spent like an, an afternoon up there just because it's it's right here. It's right near Mount Hood. Yeah. But the, but it doesn't look like the inside, because the inside of the place, the way that Stanley, I guess I'm not on a first name basis, Mr. Kubrick, um, the way that he designed all the sets, the interior design was 100% the Albany in California, Yosemite in California, and so to prove so I will this, avoid all of these. <laughs> What's that? yeah? So I will avoid every single one. Of these. This is what the inside of the Albany looks like. Ouch! And it's yeah. like immediately you can see the the influence of every you know from the chandeliers, uh-huh. but even like look how the second floor you know kind of look out, and kind of like in this next one you can see like the notched arches on the lower floor, right? So this is all at the Albany. Here is the overlook from oh, the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Obviously, there's no staircase, but I mean, how can you not look at that in this and go like, there's definitely some connection, you know, there's similarities. Oh, yeah, the inspiration is completely there. You want to know a little bit of numerology? Because that's not in this presentation. Oh, yeah. That staircase has 23 yeah. steps going down from the top and seven steps going from the fl- from the flat down to the first floor. So 237. <laughs> Yeah. See, I I watched a video on it, and that <laughs> that number is very very prevalent. Two thirty seven. Yeah. Right. I didn't talk about movie. it here, but yes, you're right. Yeah. Whole movie is just it's there, underlying and like just in your face about it. But you can see in this shot, this is the scene where uh, Jack is throwing a tennis ball against the wall and throwing it back. And in that scene, you know, it's so easy to walk through that scene and just kind of not think about it. But the whole time he's throwing that ball, he's throwing it against a Native American mural on the chimney and bouncing it back. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another shot of down the hallway. Uh, this is in one of those scenes where Jack walks into the party um, that's going on. So there's that. This is the actual Awani, like hallway that exists at the hotel. Some similarities, you can definitely see it. But oh, yeah. the biggest one, doors. the biggest one are the doors. So there are the doors. Oh, yeah, straight up. And it's like you can't, you can't not go like that. Yep, those are it. <laughs> like yeah. that's what they're yeah. based on. Hundred percent. Because I mean, when, even when look at that. When does the blood come out? We're here to see the blood. Man, <laughs> that was a movie. Okay, how many? How here. many people? How many people have come up to employees saying that? Where's the blood? There's supposed to be blood here. Do y'all get annoyed with the ghosts? It would be weird to like go there not knowing that that's what uh-huh. it was like. You're like, I'm not going to the Overlook. I'm not going to the Stanley. Oh, there's a nice raid at the Albany. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you walk in, you're like, oh no. 
<laughs> oh my god! But you're like totally oblivious, so you get to your room and then you open your eyes. And there's just a fucking ghost staring down at you. <laughs> hey, that would be really bad because according to my my theory, that would either mean that you are a part of the hotel or you can shine. Either one. Yeah. Well, shining isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, Although it's it's just connected to trauma. I so. mean, yeah, yeah. So, but part of this, what shine, what not? This is part of my question of who and what is real in this damn thing. Uh huh. So this is these are the pictures of all the main ghosts that happen throughout the hotel. You have the bartender. You have, um, I forgot what his name was. Uh, the old uh, Grady. Grady. Grady, right? Mm. You have, but. Actually, yes. that is a that is a different Grady. That is it's like the, the grandson or something, his... right? Or the it's something. It, there's like a blood. His connection. name starts with a. Or it's not. B... It's not connected. I think Delbert? it's like. Or it's like what? the same Grady, was but it it's Delbert? not connected. Delbert no, Grady? it's it's supposed to be a different Grady. Yeah. So oh. Delbert was the one that killed him. It's t- responsible for the twins. This is like an older one. To yeah, that this Delbert. is one from like 1920s or something. Mm-hmm. So, you have your bartender. You have Delbert. You have the guy at the end who never really gets an explanation. Is just kind of like the head wound guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the two sisters who we know are the Dilbert's daughters at one point, or the Grady daughters, Grady twins that right. died, right? Mm-hmm. And await I'm the same. It's kind of like the same fate awaits Danny. You know, is implied. And then you have the bear and this other guy who we, upon research, you find out is the uh, former hotel owner is that guy. And so you have, these are kind of the main ghosts. The other one that I leave out is this ghost, which (laughs) this is as much of the ghost I'm going to show. If you don't know what ghost is associated with this scene, you haven't watched the movie. (laughs) Wow. This is pretty fucking terrifying. Like imagine. Okay. Imagine it's a weird, like, yeah. Imagine you have a listing for like, oh, you know, older house made in the 80s, you know, and then you should just randomly throw this picture in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're be, like, oh, hell oh, no. Fuck. Yeah. Nope. No, 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 no. <laughs> That'd be <terrifying>. Slam the brakes. <laughs> I think I'm not going to go here. Thanks. Could you imagine? I'm going to point out something, though, already that I kind of like, I think is stupid. Uh-huh. In this scene. There are so many parallels drawn between this scene and the scene with with Danny and Jack, where Danny sits on his lap. Oh, yeah. And the he goes, and he floor. like, well, yeah. But there's also there's the thing on the floor, and the mirrors kind of have the same shape. But there's also I hear so many times that Danny that Jack kind of beckons to Danny, like, come, come. And it's the same oh, the way, way that she, the same. That is gesture. not the fucking same gesture. Yeah, she's just they drawing the suck, fucking curtain. Stop, get their head out of their asses. And watch the film again and with like not trying to make conspiratorial connections. Because yeah, it is no, the most course. bullshit connection in the out of like, all of it <laughs> I've read. I hate that because it's not. She's like undoing the curtain. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah, no, she undoes the curtain and then the walks. She's towards not him, right? she's not like come here, come here, come here, yeah. boy. Oh my fucking oh, god. What dude. there's people outside? No, it was a fucking motorcycle, but I I, I thought it was something else, man. <laughs> You're like, I almost shine for a minute. I almost shine for a minute. I'm holding some fucking thing. I was ready to chuck it behind <laughs> me. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I get so like uneasy talking about the ghosts and the shining where I'm like, yeah, my, my well, fucking place. Here's is the thing too, you should dude. know though. The ghosts can't hurt you. Yeah. 
So in yeah, all of this, supposed to be like picture books. Yeah, it's, but it's but like that. I was sorry when I started thinking about this. They're I was thinking there's real. only there's only a handful of scenes in the movie where ghosts can affect. In fact, let's break it down really quick before we get to what they affect. Uh-huh. Only Wendy never sees the ghosts until the very end of the movie. Well, after she's been traumatized. <laughs> after she's been, but also after she's being hunted, like after it's mm-hmm. like she's on the final, like it's on the final bit. It's gonna get her, but she doesn't shine. She's not connected to the hotel like Jack is, so she doesn't yeah. see them. But Danny can shine, and so he can see them. Mm-hmm. Jack is a part of the hotel, so he can see them. So and, and yeah, okay. The chef can shine. The uh-huh. only other person who we know can see them. Mm-hmm. And I and although we never see him make any sort of like actual sightings or be in a scene with a ghost, the reason I say that he can see them is because of this room. I think room two thirty seven doesn't exist. I think that to room two thirty seven is a ghost, like is a part of the trauma, like, Ooh. and that this room doesn't exist. And anything that happens in this room doesn't happen in real life. Okay. I'm gonna let that sink in for a second. So you want me so I can explain this. Let me uh let me back up. Okay. Um from what I understand, shining is like it's uh an inherited thing. And I don't remember if it was the chef that said it or if somebody else said it, but um it to put into perspective, Jack and Wendy both have like a twinkle of the shine. Um, Halloran, it, he kind of has like a flashlight when it comes to shining. And Danny's a straight up lighthouse where he's just fucking like able to take it all in. Yeah. Um, that was the comparison that I saw. The other thing I like about um, characters who shine are characters who have the shine outside of this movie um like a couple of the kids in it um like uh oh i Beverly get and Bill. i never even thought about other kubrick <laughs> films and like titles having people who shine that didn't even like oh you mean stephen king yeah yeah that's what i meant yeah, yeah. I, I, um, it makes complete sense. Yeah. It just never like occurred to me. I didn't yeah, even, it never it never sinks in until yeah. I brought up this movie. I don't even fucking care about Stephen King until I remember that he wrote it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's a that's such a funny thing too. Maybe that's why he's so bitter because he knows the movie's good and like he kind of eclipsed Stephen King's work with his visual work. Yeah, where people were like, "Oh, The Shining," like the fucking Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> and I, I, I like I like the Stephen King novel actually. <laughs> there's actually real quick. This is a little Easter egg. Supposedly, there's a middle finger to um, Stephen King in that in the, the novel, red buggy, right? The red buggy yes. that you see crushed in the snow later on. It's like a just passing moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, it, I thought that was when, funny when it's I when, heard that. Uh, what's his name? Halt. What was his name? Halloran. Halloran. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, it's Halloran. Yeah, Halloran. Guys, right? Um, Dick Halloran, so or it's Bill. Is it Bill or Dick? Ah, who cares? Halloran. He. Th- that's that's a very good point. He was coming up to to save them again, and that he passed that that wreckage of like mm. the semi that had 
that had totaled a, a red but like bug the and they came up in a yellow mm-hmm. <laughs> the bugs is yellow but it's red so <laughs> that's a, that's the stephen king voice from now on <laughs> this next bit is what's gonna get us in trouble over at youtube for sure but oh, it's a part of the movie you can't not talk about it and this is what we get for being a low a low view count we get to squeak by those those tariffs squeak so under. when we get canceled in the future it'll be this video this will be one of the very first things i uh i private <laughs> they dared to talk about child molestation oh he said it so in the beginning of the film there is a moment where jack is is reading a magazine before he goes to the back to that impossible office and talks about becoming the caretaker and while he's waiting in the waiting room he's reading a magazine Scene passes so fast, it's on freaking standard definition. There's no way you can read this. It's like crazy. 40p. <laughs> but but people have stopped it and figured out that he is reading a Playgirl magazine, which is the opposite of Playboy. So uh, there's kind of this insinuation of homo like homo or not homophobia, but homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the exact version that he's reading that issue, people dug up. And one of the big, like, interest pieces is there's an incest. Why parents sleep with their children, like, on the very cover of it. Mm-hmm. So in the very beginning of the film, it hits you with this. But you, you you can't even see the subtext of it. You can't even see any of that. But it's there. It's right there on the screen. The next weird case is this series of events. So I've presented these photos in... <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking what? of Scott and I were talking about the Apollo, the Apollo <laughs> rocket on his, on yeah. his sweater. <laughs> so we we were starting to delve into like a whole sub-genre of theory crafting slash comedy, wherein you are trolling people that are passionate about something like this that has a very big following um but you like you do the work and uh-huh. you fucking put together like some solid you know observations but you sprinkle in one ludicrous like statement and scott do you want to share the statement <laughs> yeah so so the one thing i watched was um it was mainly about how there's like that under under time uh, underlying tone of this you know homophobic nature of what we're about to get into yeah pretty much but that picture specifically of danny this guy stops the youtube and he's like where's this apollo pointed towards his mouth right and what does it look like a phallus and he's like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's pointed directly at danny's mouth and i'm like i i gotta i had to stop this right here what (laughs) so you know it's it's a it's a joke but you know what though? It's like it's just as viable as people going like, "This is this is Stanley Kubrick's admission that he no, faked the lunar landing." This is I it, know. everybody. It's four thirty, forty years later. He's admitting it here. And it's yeah, like, that's that's him. Uh, that's the that's the whole contract thing. That's him venting his frustrations. I signed a contract to fake the moon landing, and you guys don't understand the kind of pressure. So stupid. That that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it pissed me off because it's just like it's still good. Because I mean, you can see it; you can understand. The thing that, about yeah, it is, is like, here, you know, it's 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 ludicrous. Yeah. But if you silhouetted everything on his shirt, 
it would still give that impression you know it like absolutely yeah. it's 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 you cannot tell this is this is a perfect case of where you cannot tell is that supposed like is that su- purposeful like subliminal messaging or is that like hey who, anybody got a sweatshirt we can fuck up that one <laughs> sick let's go let's get it over here slap it on the boy we gotta film a scene and then yeah. and then continue to torture Shelly Duvall let's go like <laughs> that bitch isn't gonna traumatize herself let's go so what I've laid out for us here are four back-to-back scenes and this is how they happen in The Shining this is how it like I'm not taking scenes out of order I just pulled a snippet from each one so the first one is Danny is watching TV on a television that's not connected to an outlet and he asks her if she can go he asks Wendy if she can if he can go get his fire truck he goes upstairs and Jack is sitting on the bed and they have this scene where he comes over and it's a super sinister scene like the whole time you have the strings rising you think something terrible is about to happen mm-hmm. and then it doesn't and then it ends and the next scene we see Danny sitting on the carpet in front of room 237 and this is the this he has his scene where he the door is open and what's unique about the scenes with Danny is that we see him enter as the camera like we are Danny's POV entering into room 237 and then we don't get to see what happens very notably they don't show you what happens in room 237 and we instead go down to Shelley Duvall's character, Wendy, who's in the boiler room. This is a weird scene in itself. And it's the reason I made it so small and hard to see is because on the wall in the background is like, so not hardcore, um, but nudie mags. It's, it's, it's not like, yeah, it's not like Clipping. pornography, but it's like, it's like a Playboy magazine right mm-hmm. post it up not something that's impossible or Im- improbable to see on you know like a construction site or a garage or whatever like there's calendars that specifically for this the thing about it is that no one ever mentions it and it's a place that's frequented by everybody i think you know you can play into whatever but the part of me that goes there's something meaning to all of this is that in this scene Shelly Duvall is downstairs. She hears Jack wailing upstairs, not Danny. And on the wall right there is a notice, like on the board, a big thing that says choking. Hmm. Can you see that that red sign in the background? That says choking on it. And in the middle of that choking sign, I swear to God, is the bear at the very end of the film. Like this, Wait, what? The, yeah, yeah, no, like it. If you zoom in, there is a bear in there. Like, if you zoom in entirely into the, would picture, you like me to try and a find a better, like, yeah, let's try to enhance that okay. image, please? Um, single game, sucker, Google, enhance the image. Uh, I can't spell bear detected, bear detected. <laughs> You can kind of make out of it. It's so hard to see. Yeah. Maybe it's not. But I don't think so. That looks like somebody going. It looks like a person with their mouth open to yeah, me. Yeah, but people in the, in the middle of the O. Said, 
people in, in the middle of the O. Like yeah. yeah. So it that's looks just like somebody choking. Regardless of this of that bear being there, though, at the end of the day, in that scene, it says choking right there. And yeah. then what happens in the very next scene as Shelley Duvall's character goes upstairs, finds Jack at his table, yelling and screaming, having a memory of or a nightmare of killing Danny and Wendy, cutting him up into little bits. And that's when Danny walks around the corner with the marks on his on his neck. Mm-hmm. Hold up. There and then a couple of other things real okay. quick. Well, um, that's that's how it happened. No, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there there are no a, other a things. Few... I know for a fact that's how it happened. No, but I yes. know. I meant like there's a couple other Easter eggs. Yeah, well, um, I'm sorry, but right after that, sorry, right after the scene with, with Danny in the neck is when we then get the room 237 experience with Jack Torrance. So you get first you get Danny's and then you get Jack's afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's all. What are you going to say? Um, you were talking about the TV that was unplugged. That uh, This is one of those that... We are not going like... down the show on the television rabbit hole. <laughs> that it, is like next had... Halloween. We're going to cycle back around and we were going to go down Hold that up. one. Just, it's quick. Okay, okay. Somebody <laughs> counted the, uh, the amount of cars that were outside of the hotel in the opening shot, in the opening scene. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. 42. Yep. And then okay. the show um, had 42 in the title. I forget the fucking show. I'll look it up for us real Dude. quick. But okay, so we're looking there's at it a, already. There's a conspiracy theory line. Yeah, uh-huh. go on. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say that you you kind of worded this or you kind of put these together a little funny. It looks like Jack's like you want to you want to you want to get real funny with these sweaters, right? And then he puts the sweater on. <laughs> Charlie Duvall's like, oh no, but what's the sweater? <laughs> but that's a part of the thing, though. It's like that's part of the thing. This is a detail. You just made a joke of it, but that's Dude. part of like is like look at them. Look summer at this. of forty two. Summer okay. of forty two. And, uh, yeah, people have related it to this potentially being, like, a Holocaust-related film. Jesus Christ, the noises outside are fucking with me. Um, you know, 1942. Um, so there's 42 cars, some are 42, and I think there was one other 42 Easter egg that I can't think of. Um, you mentioned the POV shot of yeah, Danny going in. I did. And it's, and it's at, so it's at, like, Danny Steadicam, and it's a low shot, um, some suspect that the reason we get a POV is because that's um, Halloran shining and seeing things through Danny's perspective. And then later oh, in room 237, we get another POV entrance shot, but it, we're at much higher height. Jack Torrance's height. That's, that's an interesting. Halloran yeah. shining and seeing things through Jack's perspective. Oh, I like so, that. Um, yeah, I, I like that theory a lot. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Shelley Duvall not reacting to the nudie things. In fact, hardly anybody reacting to them. Um, some suspect that those are also ghostly. Those are there, have oh. to fuck with us. And um, I would buy into that a little bit more if if there was something at the end, like after where she's able to see the ghosts that she acknowledged them or she, you know, I, just something. But it kind of like the trauma is yeah. so new that she, you don't give a fuck if there's nudie mags on the wall. You're running from your husband. So, um, but some suspect that those are have ghostly properties, you know? Um, I kind of, I like the, that too. In fact, the whole of room 237, if you notice it, the way it's depicted to us, I know you say you don't, you don't think it's real, but it look, the, the double doors imply it's a sort of honeymoon suite. Yeah. 
and um there's yeah. a lot a lot of what goes on in there is very sexual by yes. nature so and that's um, what's going to lead into my final bits of like tying this all together but okay i agree so that room yeah. 237 is and the reason i don't think it's real is because i think it's the nightmare of sexual violence mm. i think i think whatever think goes like on in there or traumatized manifestation of it yeah of whatever trauma you have that is sexually violent you manifest itself in that room that is that room's nightmare and and that's like shelly never mentions it never goes there when Danny says that there's a woman in the hotel. She, you know, there's like no telling her where, but yet mm. he goes to room two thirty seven. Oh, interesting. Right. You see what I mean? Like there's but that. It's was uh, he could have you, you apply he searched the hotel, but it's like yeah, something. or it's almost like the room called to him in like right? an otherworldly fashion. So this is what but I was think. was Wendy present when the hotel owner said, "Oh, no, stay out she of room 237?" She wasn't. Okay. Oh, no, she was. Yes. Cuz that was on the walkthrough with and it wasn't the owner. It was um the chef. Oh, it was Halloran? Yeah, he told him cuz cuz Danny said room 237 and Halloran is the only other person who said, who recognizes it and says, "Do not go in there." Which uh, makes me think okay, so it wasn't that Halloran, a warning. Got it. Yeah, that Halloran can shine and knows about the room, seemingly mm-hmm. the only other person who does, and he knows that it's not a good place. And the fact that Danny can see it tells him that there's something wrong. Like this kid's in trouble. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot more going on beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And when you look at like the ideas of of oh, I almost said the bad word, but like. It doesn't matter when you look at when you look at these details of of abuse of a sexual Man manner trauma. throughout the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the scene. So let's get into it because this this kind of wraps up my thing of like who is Tony. This let me down this rabbit hole of who is Tony, and I like your idea more that it's it, it's him as an older kid. Before I heard that, before I knew about Doctor Sleep, this is what I kind of concluded on my own using all mm-hmm. this other stuff. And we're gonna get into this into this rabbit hole that I know you guys recognize because I know you've watched some of the same stuff I've watched. The bears. The bears. <laughs> it's a it's such a common thing that you don't notice, but is there? That, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about this scene. This is the first scene. So so Tor- or Jack Torrance is off at the hotel doing his thing with the man with the manager. He calls Wendy up, says he he's not gonna be able to make it back home. It's gonna be like nine hours or whatever. Then we have this scene with with Danny where he's actually in first brushing his teeth and then talks to Tony. And then after talking to Tony, he it is a wake up in this in this scenario. Danny is being examined by a doctor and in this scene we very prominently framed in the background is this big old teddy bear. Easily pass easily passes by whatever. Weird thing about this scene, though, is that in this scene, he is wearing a sweater, but no pants. Again, it's this weird thing where you go, that's a little weird, but it's a doctor, and they're checking his health, and you know what? They ask you to take your pants off and your shirt off. Like, it's, you don't think about it. But Danny's, like, sitting there with his hands on his chest, covering his groin from the shot. It's this weird implication of just, it's weird. You know, 
Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell. In this scene, though, where does he tell? He said, you know, he tells him, I have an imaginary friend. I had Tony. And she asks who Tony is and whatever. He says, where, what does he say Tony is? Uh, in his mouth and in his stomach. In his yeah. mouth. Can I talk to him? No. Why? He's hiding. Where is he hiding? In my stomach. And the later on in the movie, when they first get to the overlook, Jack takes a quick look inside and boy, there's a, there's a whole other parts of this video we could watch or talk about like Jack's glances everywhere. Yeah. But in this, this is scene, Danny's room. He's looking in at Danny's room. Now this p- picture on the left covers up a lot of the rest of the room, but it's pointing out this picture that's on the wall above Danny's bed. It's of two bears. I don't think this picture is the same as on the wall, but I don't think so either. No. It, it's it's part of the stuff that I pulled and it it looked pretty good, so that's what I went with. But it's just the point is there's a bear above the of Danny's bed. There's this connection now between Danny and the bear. There there is a commonality with that. A little bit later on, there's a scene where Danny is playing, there's a there's a poo bear on the like table behind them. It's just doesn't necessarily mean anything. He's a kid. Of course, he has toys, but it's another bear. You know, it's just continually there are bears. There's obviously a freaking bear in the biggest what the fuck moment of this entire film that comes out of nowhere and you go, you audibly go, what the fuck? And then it's done and you just keep moving, you know? It's the most David Lynch shit. Exactly. Before David Lynch. Exactly. <laughs> Never explained. Exactly, dude. Or that's it's exactly actually what I think it the is. only thing that is explained. I think it's what you said is that that's the previous hotel owner. Yes. Yeah. And I don't even think it's explained. It's not. I, it's just it's, it's shown you have to and then gone. Learn this. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But that is the previous hotel owner. Now here's the thing about this shot. I thought my conclusion is that that's Tony the bear <laughs> and i know it's like maybe it's too connect it's like too easy like all these bears and then a weird bear guy but you know this is how this this i literally went and got this today that's why it has the time run and everything like the time stamps and everything this is the scene with danny when he first has this has a glimpse of the hotel the very first scene he talks to Tony in his finger, and he goes, why don't you want to go to the hotel? I don't know. Why? Yes, you do. Tell me. And then he has the moment where he sees the, the elevator open and the blood river flow out and all of that. This is right after. This is the first time. And I, you know, it makes sense if, if you take in time dilations and future selves that have already been to places, it makes sense. I didn't know that. So what I was thinking is, is there's a man that lives in his stomach or a man that lives in his mouth and hides in his stomach. Mm-hmm. And when Shelley Duvall happens upon these two, they're in the middle of fellatio. Maybe that's another like Apollo 11 connection of like phallic symbols. Mm-hmm. Just saying, but you have this frame shot. And what is the shot when Shelly turns to look at them? Damn. He's got his, yeah. His booty <laughs> cheeks out, yeah. It's damn near, like, mm-hmm. 
I, I, don't think, know. I think we need a couple flashbacks. I need no, we back don't. Back. <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> God damn it. Do you see it? Do you see it now? Do you see it? So that's I. That's when I came to the conclusion was like, that's Tony. The only per- like how how else who else would know about the events of the hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Like none of the things that see, and this is the thing: none of the things that Danny saw were necessarily unique to him, like. Mm-hmm. The twins died long ago. And so they would show themselves to whoever could shine and be there, right? Of course. The blood like the blood river, which I if we went back is kind of a part of that Native American symbolism. Like mm-hmm. it's built on a burial ground, like it's built on top of the blood of their ancestors, you know? The blood mm-hmm. some symbolism there. But that's not to say like that was a unique event only in which Shelley Duvall saw. Mm-hmm. Those are right. reoccurring events of the hotel. They're like a record they're repeating. And so like, I look at this and go, the only person that knows about it and all these connection to bears, why would this be a bear? If there wasn't a connection with Danny in some way, mm-hmm. you know, unless the connection, I don't know. It's a weird, but like, that was like what I kind of came to is this, Whoever this is knows what happens at the hotel because they're a part of it. And the reason they didn't want to tell Danny is because of, like, it's not good, you know? I don't know. No, of course. That's kind of what I, I came to. I didn't, but I know now on the flip side of that, after hearing what you say after, you know, Dr. Sleep and stuff, I kind of yeah. like that a little bit more Here, because it here's makes... Here's another good little segue for you as well. If you go back a couple slides... I'm done, by to the, the way. The... Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you want me to go back? If you go back, back another few slides to the, the four pictures again. <clears throat> so the scene where you can see uh, that, the top left one. Yeah. Um, shortly before this, Jack is telling Danny he doesn't feel well. Like that Jack doesn't feel well. And uh, Danny's like, well, what's wrong? And he's like... Like, I just, I, I can't sleep. And he's like, well, why can't you sleep? Um, and he's like, well, I'm not tired or something like that. But like, so what, you know, now Dr. Sleep, future Daniel yeah. Torrance, um, he uses his gift of the shining to yes. help his patients sleep, which is kind of like, it could be, there's a, there's a link. There's a suspicion that the link is, oh, if only my dad had been able to go to sleep like he would have been fine everything would have been okay and now that's why that's taken over that facet of his life in the future i think that supports the idea that room 237 doesn't exist because the only times that room 237 come into play is when jack is when they go to sleep like Hmm. they have episodes where they wake up like when when danny has that episode at the at his home about the vision of the overlook Mm -hmm. he wakes up in bed like like they go to sleep, you know, like they're having these traumatic events that happen inside of them. And it's like them dealing. It's like, it's like a nightmare, literally like, yeah. And that's why room 237 doesn't exist because it's not real. It's a part of like the shine. It's like a part of this other realm that exists on top of ours, you know? Whoa. Hey, um, I just read that the shining is meant to be watched forwards and backwards at the same time. So No, yeah, there are there, some people that have yeah. watched that and it lines up also, a little too perfectly. There's what people the that fuck? do that, 
and then also play a certain album by the Beatles and the beats and the certain like songs and the the cadence of everything follows in this eerily. But you know what though? Here's the thing. I draw the line there at some Uh point. Maybe forwards and backwards is true to a degree. Uh Maybe it's also just good symmetry in the in the story writing. But that's like that's like watching. You remember how they say like if you what what was it like if you watched the Wizard of Oz and remember there was like another there was an there was a certain album. um, Yeah, the wall, the wall. Was it the wall? It It was the it was the album with the like the dark prison. side of the moon dark side of the moon yes so, but remember that legend where like if you watched them at the same time there's like this mm-hmm. weird coincidence of like synchronization yeah that kind of stuff is like i don't there's no way the wizard of oz or dark side of the moon fucking was it was written to coincide with each other like mm-hmm. you know that i feel like at that point you're starting to try and make connections where they don't necessarily exist it, mm-hmm really you know yeah because there's a lot of stuff like and i say this because i want to come back to this movie for a lot of reasons but like i want to do more research on it i want to watch some of the documentary stuff of room 237 like on the making of this i've watched a lot of like the behind the scenes of how they treated actors and the productions and the sets and the all that stuff but i want to see like really I want to know how fucking Stanley Kubrick works mm-hmm. because I was really thinking about this after watching this and doing this dive is that there at some point, and this is so weird. This is so like, feels like so off topic at this point, but how long did film have to exist before someone who was so competent at their work could create something with such a complex and and deep background as The Shining and other Kubrick films. He has consistently done this in all of his films. They are this detailed. They are this intricate, right? How long did film have to exist before this brilliant mind came about, right? How many years? 50, 60, however however many years it took for him to come around. I look at that and I apply that timeline to video games and I go like, it's going to be like, we're going to be 50 or 60 when that one dude who, who understands the medium better than anybody else who can make something so unique and powerful and deep that you have, like, it's a class, like you have to play. It's a masterpiece. Like, I feel like we haven't got there yet with video games. You know, I kind of look at, at timelines of things and go how long are we before we get a Kubrick here how long before we get a Kubrick there because it's like how can you watch this film and watch another film <laughs> you know like how can you watch Kubrick stuff and go like all right there's the bar <laughs> you know it's fucking up yeah. there all right no, let's go I mean I, I think this movie does a really stellar job of like basically confusing everyone you know like you can take it at face value of oh yeah maybe it is cabin fever right or you could take it as oh maybe wendy you know oh she's into horror stories like um you know uh jack said at the beginning so maybe this is all in her head you know she's a little forgetful or you know one of one of the many theories out there um or like i said you could take it face value um and a lot of people i think would would say kojima is that guy right now but i don't think so 
you know no i I don't think he's that he's this it's not cohesive enough yeah there's something weird about watching the shining only until the very end with the fucking bear that you go, what the fuck? And then yeah, that one's too blatant, you know? Right? Yeah. But then there's it, too much evidence. But it may, but it jars you. It jars you in a way that you're not expecting. You know, even even the scene inside two, room two thirty seven with Jack is a, is jarring because, like, even nowadays where there's hypersexualization in media, like. There's sex scenes in every single show you watch. You cannot get away from them. It's part of how things are made now. It's part of how things are written. It's okay. It pushes the genre, right? We still don't get full frontal nudity like you get in that scene. You know, you watch it nowadays, and she gets up, and there's like, it's weird. You know, it's a little like, even when you're by yourself, you're like, well, you're not ready for it, you know? Yeah. Like, it made it makes you uncomfortable. It right. does. It's like, weird. It's not, and like her by herself is already a little uncomfortable to watch that on screen, right? I think the closest thing is probably like Pulp Fiction that made me like really uncomfortable, you know, with a certain scene. Um, but that room combined with her, combined with yeah. the 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 shower curtain moving slowly, and she just gets up, and it's 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 a shot paced to make you creeped out, you know. Yeah. It's it's a scene meant to make you like creeped out from like your core. For some reason, you know, and and you know this sh- this shouldn't go without being noticed too is that part of what makes it so good mm-hmm. is that it's a horror movie. Like it, it is a suspenseful psychological thriller, but at its core, it is a scary horror movie. Mm-hmm. There isn't another sh- horror movie. There is no movie in the genre that even creeps close. To like what this did, you know, there just isn't like it's you you chose a genre of B movies of, (laughs) you know, of just crap of terrible actors and actresses schlock up, you know, up the wazoo. It's just bad movie after bad. That's the genre. And he releases this thing, you know, which is like a like if you didn't know. That he built all these sets. That it cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. If you thought that he filmed it in a hotel. You would think like. It's not a big set. You know there's. It's not a big location. They don't have to go 13 different places. To make the story fester. It's one place. You know it's like. There's so many things. That are done so well in this movie. In a genre that is expected to be. Garbage. Mm-hmm. And that's partly what makes it so legendary is like nothing even comes close to to like scratching it, really. I don't think. Maybe next week's will. Maybe. I mean, it's it is I mean, you are right. This and I'm glad I didn't watch this movie as a kid or like any age before this, because I don't think I would have truly understood the nuance that this movie has to bring to the table you know um going into this movie blind i don't think i understand or understood that there's just so much this movie presents and wants to tell you but i don't think we understand all of it because that's just because you're not meant to because at the end of the day kubrick was 
a salty old man who never said anything about his films. He and did, he did say one thing though, and that was that they weren't meant to be analyzed as much as people analyzing them. Really? Because I thought <laughs> I thought he would have said "fuck Shelley Duvall." I think there's some nuance to all of that that will come out in a year when we revisit the film. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight. I think that that's, uh, we've covered a lot. We've rattled our brains. We've gone longer than any other episode before. Corey, and, we uh, didn't even talk about the fucking face, like, motifs in the movie. All right, well, where let's just keep going. Forget the music. Let's... <laughs> Now, there's there's so much to talk about in this film that like we just said we haven't gotten into it there's the face motifs there's all the other paintings that exist in the hotel there's the mirror idea that mirrors are the ones that really show your true selves and yeah that like scenes that. with the mirrors are the ones that are the are like the scenes that care that matter the most you know um but that's that's why we're gonna come back that's why we're not done with this film. That's why. Don't there's... you know, Scott? We've oh, always yeah. been doing this review. <laughs> That's good. What? So, um, we've missed quite a number of weeks, and you know, it's kind of coincided with some stuff that happened for me as well. Like, I, my, the softwares and programs I use to run this stuff and to to make everything sound good. Um, completely crapped itself when we kind of went on this unexpected hiatus and then when we came back it updated and fixed itself so it kind of worked in this perfect alignment and uh and like we said at the beginning of the episode took this moment this hiatus to kind of change some things around redo some of the stuff uh that we have on the stream and uh and to produce something that we would like to call season two so we're going to be a little bit more on top of things. We're not going to go week by week, you know, off the top of our head. We're going to get a list prepared, you know, so in case we do ever have to film ahead or, you know, plan to do whatever, it's out there. You can catch it. You can catch up on movies at your own leisure and be ready for when our show comes around. So this week um, we covered The Shining, a Kubrick film. Next week we already have another, another, uh, another banger lined up for Halloween. This will be the last week of the, of October. So we're gonna have to finish off with a big bang. Maybe this would have, should have been the big bang, but we didn't know. So I chose a film that I've been wanting to see that uh, came out in 2019, kind of took the world by storm. And uh, I've seen another one of his films. I forget what it was called, but we're going to be watching Parasite, the South Korean horror uh, movie. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, I have not, but I've heard nothing but. Do you like it, Alfie? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it had everything. You know, what was the one before it? What's up? Um, You talked about it, and it was there was like a storm, and there was a. You showed me a scene from it. I don't remember the name. I watched the whole thing. I in fact, I thought Parasite was that movie that you showed me, and when that scene didn't happen, I was like, "Whoa, fuck!" Huh? Is it like host? What is it? His name is like Bong, Bong something. Just type in Parasite Director. Yeah, we're uh, not. Bong Jung Ho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not even going to pronounce the title of that one. <laughs> there we go. Scott, why don't you give it a crack, man? Take a crack at it. 
No. What was it? No. I know I watched this X. movie. Oh, I was right. The host. Oh. Hey, would you look at that? So yeah, we'll be watching. Oh, he did the Par- new Snowpiercer. Oh and no, he did the old Snowpiercer. Never mind. Uh yeah, but we'll be watching uh, Parasite. And uh, and yeah. Did you guys watch Squid Game? No, I haven't. Is that any good? I liked it. Everyone, everyone it. seems to. I, like... I've heard it. I've heard it's really good. I've heard it's really good, but I haven't watched it. So yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Maybe I'll put Maybe that on the list. Watch. Yeah. Well, until next week, everybody. This is the Paradise Podcast Network signing off. I'm Corey. Those are Scott Alfredo. You can catch Scott over at Scooty Wins on Twitch.tv forward yeah. slash Scooty Wins. You can't catch Alfie anywhere because he doesn't stream. But you can catch us all here. <laughs> I, uh, Next Wednesday, I got, I got some, or Thursday, uh, I got some or content that's going to be coming. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still getting everything ready for it, um, uh-huh. and it's not uh-huh. going to be directly gaming related. I still, I got some stuff in the works. It's cooking up, um, but uh, it, it's not, it's not going to be until probably like next May. Honestly. Okay, week three of him saying. So we'll, so we'll <laughs> Dude, this is the third month of you saying that. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, it's also it's a, yeah, it's the third month of me saying it, and I'm also pushing it until May of 2022, like it's the next fucking God of War, right? Okay. Okay. But uh, you're gonna be playing that on got, PC. I got some cool stuff. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna fucking platinum in on that too. <laughs> That's what we'll be doing with our time. We'll see everybody next week on Wednesday for Parasite. Hope you enjoy the movie. <laughs>